again, and today is week three of um, our Desire More um, series where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, now, if you've missed the past two weeks or one of the past two weeks, um, or if you've forgotten anything or everything I've said, okay, um, that happens at times as well. Uh, just on that, I, um, I preached a series on Habakkuk earlier this year, and I, I read through it uh, in my devotions not yeah, maybe yesterday, day before, and I went, I can't even remember actually reading this book. And I was like, okay, yeah, sometimes we need to refresh our, our, our brains. This means if you've read the Bible once, do it again, and do it again, and do it again. But that's an aside. Um, but if you've forgotten anything, or if you've missed any, make sure you jump onto the website um, and at www.rockywesleyan.org.au and you can check out um, the past messages from there. And we have been building in this series, so I might sort of talk about some stuff today and go, how did you get there from, well, you might need to go listen to the past few weeks. So um, please, please go check that out if you have missed anything. Now, we we have been dealing with how uh, we allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Um, we've talked about the person of the Holy Spirit two weeks ago. Uh, last week we talked about being Spirit-empowered, how we are we empowered by the Holy Spirit to change our lives. And today I want to unpack how we can be Spirit-clothed. Now this can be a bit weird, a bit of a weird-sounding concept when you first hear it. Um, so Spirit-clothed, how am I clothed by the Holy Spirit? So, and the thing is, what I do want to say today, if you are, like sometimes we, we treat Christianity as, okay, I'm an adult and now I can be serious about my Christian faith. Does God differentiate like that? Is the Holy Spirit available for toddlers? For children? For teenagers? For that good age in the middle, like that 20 to 40, whatever? And then the really old people at the other end, like so. Don't don't worry. The Holy Spirit is there for you too. So like, um, and He will empower your life. So, but the thing, I'm actually over the forty mark too. So I've actually put myself in that. I'm with you. So, um, but the thing is, what I'm saying, if maybe you go, oh, this is the grown up time. I'm going to shut my brain off. Don't do that because this is for you today as well. Um, if you're an adult and you go, oh, keeps talking. I'm going to switch my brain off. Turn it on today. Okay, keep it switched on. Um, so <coughs> how are we clothed by the Spirit? I, I, I want you to understand that concept um, is visual and and I want to do it in a visual way that so that will help you understand how we can best live lives of holiness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit is a matter of living a life of holiness. Um, now, and again, I'm going to pause a bit here. This, this message might take a bit longer. See, the thing is, a lot of times we see holiness about the rules we need to follow. Holiness is being led and walking with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit does the work. Now, the rules, we talked about the law uh, last week. The law, it can't set us free. The Holy Spirit can. And so with that, what we need to realize is that if I want to live a holy life, I actually, and, and the same thing, if I want to live a freed life, then I need to live by the Holy Spirit. I can't sort of come up with a better list of rules and work harder in myself. You won't get there. So holiness is 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 actually following and living with and being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, now remember what I've said over the past two weeks. The holy um, this is not a doctrine of power. 
This is not about getting things from me or forcing God to do something or, 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 or doing these amazing things through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got, I've got extra power of the Holy Spirit in my pocket. I've got spirit-filled batteries and I've got more of them than anyone else. And so I've got more of the Holy Spirit. No, no, it's not, it's not a power. It's not a doctrine of power. It is a doctrine of surrender. A doctrine of surrender. And so when I am clothed by the Holy Spirit, I am so embraced, so encompassed, so encased, so covered with the Holy Spirit that when people look at me, the vast majority of what they will see is the clothing of the Holy Spirit over me. So they are seeing God and not me. You see the imagery there? Like, so we are so wrapped up by God and what He is doing in our lives. When people look at us, they go, oh, you're, you're doing so amazing. And what they're seeing is God at work in your life. All right. Now, who can remember? So this, this is going to be harder for some of you older people. Um, who can remember back to your graduations? I'm, I'm seeing a blank look on Jimmy's face there. So, um, um, so they, but the thing is, think back to your graduation if you can, but today they seem to celebrate everything. When I went to school, I graduated from high school. And then I worked with, not long after high school, I was working with, with uh, youth and children and in secular work, and, and then all of a sudden they're having graduations in primary school. And now they're having graduations in prep, I mean uh, in daycare. And so everything is, is, is celebrated. And, and the thing is, it's almost, you get a trophy for breathing these days. Um, okay, like, oh, you're breathing, you're upright, yep, you get a trophy and you get a trophy. Um, but the thing is, and, and I suppose that, um, at some, especially as, as it, you get older and you go to like maybe a high school graduation, I went to one with Tessa two years ago and they got the keynote speaker in. Last year was very fortunate because of COVID, they dropped all the speeches. Best graduation ever. Um, but this one they came in and what they did as a speech was a speech about how to plan good school reunions. I, I see your eyes dropping. I sat through it, okay? So I was there for the whole lot of it. And I'm going, oh, I, like they're, they're talking to the, the, the graduating class. This is how you can go plan a good school reunion in 20 years' time. I'm going, this is not relevant information for right now. But anyway... Um, speeches at graduation can be a bit poor. But there was this one class president who gave a speech at his graduation. Now, as I said, some speeches, speeches can be a little bit poxy. They, 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 we can hear phrases, we can rule the world, or we can change the world, and your life is in your hands, and you have all these things. You probably hear them at a lot of graduations. You can be or you can be. That might be the army, I'm not sure. But it might be in those speeches as well. But there was a speech given by this one particular class president and he actually said a lot of good stuff, but he finished it well. Now, I'm going to tell you what, how he wrapped up his speech because I want to use that as a springboard to teach you what I want you to learn today. Um, you may not like it, um, but in saying that, because it, he spoke the truth, but it may not be politically correct. Okay? So, um, but it's a great line. The problem, we, as I said, we, we live in a world that everyone gets a trophy just for breathing. So that's so that's a bit of the context. Um, but basically, the, his last line was, be phenomenal or be forgotten. Now, the thing is, if we go, that's, that's not right. You shouldn't forget people. You shouldn't leave people out. We actually need to remember everyone. Trophy for breathing. 
Okay, but the thing is, let's get it, let's make that statement a bit spiritual now. We all want, we, we want to be called sanctified and holy at times for just believing. I believe in Jesus Christ and, and I want everything else done in me. But the thing is, the demons believe. And the demons will never be holy. They will never be sanctified. Now, I don't want people to be forgotten or left out. And, and, and you know that, right? God, God will never forget you. So, like, if you're sitting with someone, like, you might need to call across. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, God will not forget you. See, some of you don't sound convinced of this. Like, your neighbours aren't going to be convinced if you're not convinced. God will not forget you. But the thing is, God, God won't do that, but we must believe, um, we need to live in such a way that we believe we must be phenomenal or we'll be forgotten. We must strive to live our Christian lives in such a way that we believe that we need to be phenomenal so that we can sort of live out our faith in such a great way. God will never forget us, he'll never forsake us, none of that is ever going to happen, but we should live in a way, we should pursue him in such a way that when we are living, we are living out a warning to be phenomenal or be forgotten. We should live that out. And if you're still not convinced, hold that thought, we're going to get back to it a little bit later. But I want to start today not with um, the reading that Pavina brought us. I want to start in Isaiah chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles there, flip it open. Isaiah chapter 5, we're going to be looking at the first seven verses. Now, Isaiah is a prophet, and prophets tend to bring bad news, news about repentance, and then good news. Now, this is chapter 5 in Isaiah, and so it's still very early on. So what do you think Isaiah is talking about? Bad news. He's still in the bad news section. He hasn't got to the news about repentance, and right at the end of Isaiah, he's talking about um, the good news. And so chapter 5, um, and the, because there's a lot of chapters to come, this is still a bad new, new section. So Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel. He's speaking about why God is going to allow some bad things to happen. Now watch what it says in verse 1. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but he yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and, and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I'll tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. And the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. Now, do you understand what's happened here? God has just cleared the ground, put the very best into it. I gave you the very best of me. I gave you the very best of everything. I've fully taken care of you, but I'm not yielding a good crop from you. I'm yielding a bad crop. So I'm going to tear it all down and I'm going to start all over. And, and back in Isaiah 5, 7, so the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. He looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. I would like to start us here because 
What I want us to understand is when God speaks to, um, and when God deals in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, that can be compared to how God deals with you and I as individuals. Uh, when God uh, deals with us as individuals, we know um, there is a pattern. We have a background. We have a, a history by looking at how God dealt with the people of Israel. When he says to the nation of Israel, I've given you everything I could have given to you and I expect a, a particular return and, by, and, and that return is not coming back to me, therefore something and perhaps everything has to change so that the return that I receive back from you is, 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 the, is what the investment was all about. So, so when he says that to Israel, he's also saying that to us. Now you see how that is working. God will do the same thing in your life. Now hold on to that thought. So that what has happened in Isaiah chapter 5, hold on to that, and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to jump to Galatians now, which was read earlier by Pavina. Now, the Apostle Paul, again, is speaking about righteousness, about wholeness, about being filled in the Holy Spirit. And stay with me as I try all this together today. Now, I'm going to pick up in uh, chapter 5 a little bit earlier than where Pavina started off today in verse 13. And, and Paul is railing against um, those who would follow the law, believing that the law will somehow make um, us good or the law will set us free. Um, that won't happen. The law will not set us free. It's not even designed to do that. So picking up in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now let's make this simple. Do not use your freedom to sin. God has made us free. Don't use it to go sin more. The fact that God has called you to be free does not mean you have a, the freedom to be a fool, if you've got that right. Um, but some may say being Australian gives us the freedom to be an idiot. And some Australians are quite willing to live out that that freedom at times, aren't they? You don't have to look around you too far and go, what are people thinking and I'm in the same country as them? Um, But being saved is about being set free from the law by the blood of Jesus. It does not give you the freedom to be an idiot. It gives you the spirit so that you can be a saint. And I think sometimes we kind of treat grace a little bit selfishly at times. We see grace to be able to get away with the things that we want to do. And there's a danger in that, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, but let's, let's keep going in um, Galatians. But do not use your freedom to indulge in flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. So that whole first section of your Bible, Genesis right through to Deuteronomy, the law is fulfilled by this one law, love your neighbor. And it means get over yourself and help somebody else. Look to other needs instead of highlighting your your own needs so much. Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out uh, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, the thing is, you are free from the law which was there to guard you, create boundaries so that you would not get into the desires of the flesh. It's like, okay, if you've got a chocolate addiction and someone puts a lock on the fridge that you don't have the padlock on, that's a boundary. It protects you from eating all the chocolate in the fridge. Um, 
That's what the law does. It stops us from doing things that maybe we don't want to do but we'll end up doing. But the thing is, um, but if we walk in the Spirit, you will not end up in them even if the boundaries are taken down. That means if the lock's taken off the fridge, all of a sudden the Spirit will lead us away from falling into that or, or that desire. So if you walk by the Spirit uh, in, um, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So picking up in verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So the first point today is walk by the Spirit. This is the first huge lesson I have to get across to you today. If you are ever going to walk by the Spirit, you must understand that what the world, um, the, what the flesh, what sin is driving you to do is contrary to what the Spirit is calling you to. Then let me put it this way. What is natural for you is contrary to what the Spirit is calling you to do. What is natural for you to do is often not what God wants you to do because you know full well there are a lot of things that are very natural that you must not do. You must not do them. You say, but they feel good. And there are a lot of things that feel good that you shouldn't do. Just because something feels good doesn't mean you should do it. Um, and so, again, I want you to look at your neighbour and say, he's talking to you. So you need to talk to him. You need to tell him. Um, okay. So the thing is, if we, we if we just do what we want, what we desire, often that will be contrary to what the Holy Spirit wants for us. And you need to understand that because our culture teaches us just because it feels good, you should go do it. It's about making yourself happy. There are so many so many times, um, and and the thing is, you're not going to make yourself happy by chasing what feels good. You are going to find joy and peace by chasing what the Spirit tells you to do. That's where joy and peace is. And that's what you should be chasing. The truth is what the Spirit is calling us to do is contrary to what, to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. And if you ever wonder why the world seems to be in conflict with the church, it is because the flesh and the world, um, and the world they are in, um, are in conflict with the Word of God. Because what they want to do, what feels good, is, is not what God says we should be doing. And God says you should be doing um, what I call you to do. Now here's where it's going to get a bit ugly because if we're going to walk by the Spirit, what that means is that we must be doing the work of becoming what God wants us to be. And it is work. So going back to the um, Isaiah passage, God planted a vineyard and the vineyard did not produce Fruit. Good, didn't produce good, good fruit. It produced bad fruit. He worked the vineyard every way that he could imagine. He did everything for it. But it still produced bad fruit. Because God gave free will to the vineyard. It did not demand the outcome. And when the outcome was, was what the vineyard desired instead of what the gardener desired, then the fruit was no longer sweet to the gardener. Now you might go, but I don't care what the gardener wants. Well, yes, you do. Because he is in charge, and if the gardener does not garden, then the vineyard does not survive. If we do not let God be in charge of our lives, 
we don't live, we don't live fully the way he wants. Well, maybe we go, well, it should just leave us alone. Well, that won't work either because what is happening is that the bitter fruit that we are producing, um, and that is disturbing the gardener, it is also killing the vine and it is killing us. When we live out the, our, 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 I suppose, the, the, the fleshly desires, what the world wants us to do and, and, and sort of pursue those things, those things begin to poison us and kill us. Now, wouldn't you like to get different results out of your life? And if you're going to get different results, you have to act differently. If you've been chasing the flesh and the world, but now you have to walk and move forward by the Spirit, which means we are going to have to do the work of tearing down the vineyard that is killing us and planting a new one. Now, in the end of Isaiah, it says, it says God said to the peace, said, Comfort my people Israel, for I've torn down the vineyard, I've fixed the ground, I've changed their hearts with which um, um, where their fruit of their lives has been coming from, and now I'm going to redeem them. So God sort of said, oh, yeah, I've torn everything down, and I changed everything. And so now where their fruit comes from is has been changed and therefore it produces good fruit. That means that God will change the very nature of who we are. Now, how is that going to be done? By walking in the Spirit, what, what does that mean? It means constantly focusing in on, um, trying to know what God wants. I'm praying. I'm focused on God. I'm thinking about what uh, God. I'm reading um, God's Word. I'm focused on worship. And now I am now walking in the Spirit and it's hard work because I'm used to going this way and all of a sudden God has God has got me going this way and it feels like he's tearing up everything in my life because he is. Because he has to put new in there. Because what's in there is killing you and not making you better. That's the work of becoming. And the thing is, we've got to be a part of that work. Like, there's not a, a quick fix for this. And I think that's part of the struggle for us. We kind of sometimes go, God, just change me overnight. I'm going to go to bed this way. I'm going to wake up this way. Um, and you try to think of anything else in your life where you can wake up, go to bed this way and wake up a different way. doesn't happen. I want to wake up looking younger. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Even though we may try. We can put all that cream everywhere and make me feel younger in the morning. And that mirror keeps lying to us. This, this, something's not working here. It's not the same way with our Christian lives. Okay, back to Galatians 5 and verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is the thing. This is our second um, um, point. The first point is to walk by the Spirit, and that means to focus, to get my mind centered in on God. But the second point is to be led by the Spirit. Now, this, this is second because I can't be led by the Spirit I've got to learn, I can't be led by the Spirit if I haven't learnt to recognise his voice. The problem for many of us is that we spend so little time in prayer, so little time in the Word of God, that when we hear a voice, we assume it is God's, never once realising that it's not the voice of God talking to us. There are so many times people will quote something to me, going, oh, I have a life phrase that they live by, which they think is from Scripture. Think of something that Jesus said. Or Jesus said this. No, no, he didn't say that. That's something else saying, I said to you, Jesus said this. 
Oh, somewhere in the Bible it says this. No, that's not there either. There are times that people may confidently say things, but they are truly ignorant because they haven't truly been in the presence of the Spirit of God. They've spent precious little time in the Word of God, precious little time in the worship of God. They don't even know the voice of God, so there is no possible way to be led by the Spirit of God. We, we've got to understand this. If we are not hearing God, if we are not placing ourselves in a position where we can hear God, then we can't be led by the Spirit. Now, when we fail to know the voice of God, any old voice can lead us astray. It doesn't even take too much. It's just got to feel right. But remember what I said, everything that feels good is not good and everything that feels right is not right. We have to know how to hear the voice of God. So back to Galatians. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. So anything out of God's design for sex and you have a problem. That's what The Bible is really clear about that. Anything out of his design. So a man and a woman getting married, that is God's design and there is a reason for it. Anything outside of that, there's, there's, God has an issue with it. And it's not to say sex is bad, but it's basically saying that God has a plan for how that happens. And often this is what the world does. It takes something that, that is God has created good and we taint it and we twist it and all of a sudden it hurts instead of heals. It's, it's, it's a curse rather than a blessing. So sexual immorality, anything outside of God's plan is, is that we've got a problem. And that's all you want me to talk about sex in church. But let's move on, don't we? Let's, I don't want to talk about that in church. Um, but then we've got impurity and debauchery. Now, uh, debauchery basically means being an idiot, um, giving in to lust, giving in to wrong choices, but basically being stupid with how you live your life. That's what debauchery means. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the thing is, some of that stuff, we go, oh, no, no, I don't struggle with that one. But then we go, fits of rage. Well, how would you define fits of rage? There are times, there's plenty of times I'm, I'm enraged, and I'm angry, and I'm angry at my boss, I'm angry at my husband, I'm angry at my wife, angry at my kids. I'm, I just write, I'm angry at my boss again. I don't have fits of rage, though. That sounds something... See, we, we're walking a fine line here. We're just trying to redefine our sin. Um, we've got envy. Oh, none of us here envy anything, do we? We don't want something that someone else has got. We, we don't live like that. Selfish ambition. None of us here, I know, we are totally humble people. We are. This is not written for us at all. Now, if any of this describes you in any way, you are not listening to the voice of God. You can't be led by the Spirit because you're not even hearing His voice. It is devastating how messed up our thinking can be. We have literally turned right and wrong upside down in our culture and we are living out this very verse that says the flesh is at odds with the Spirit. And then... We get mad at the guy up the front when, when he says, because, because it's not what we want. And we, we chase and celebrate what is actually killing us. And then it gets to the point where the church goes quiet on this stuff. Because it doesn't want the world around it to be mad. 
and then the truth is never spoken and sin wins the day. Walking by the Spirit is the process of doing the work of becoming, but being led by the Spirit is the journey of discovering what the Holy Spirit wants um, He wants us to be. So you, you say so far you've only told us what he doesn't want us to be. Well, Galatians picks up what he wants us to be in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. So forbearance is a word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, don't react. Don't sort of nod, don't twist, don't look at anyone. Don't elbow the person next to you. I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? Answer it on the inside, okay? Don't mouth your response. If I see eyes twisting, I'm going to point you out to everyone else, okay? But I'm going to say the word, and I want you to answer the question, does this describe me? Are you filled with love? Are you filled with anger and fits of rage? Just making sure no one's reacting. So no, no, good, that's all good. Are you filled with joy? Or do you only find joy when you are pleasing yourself? Are you filled with peace? Or are you filled with dissensions or factions? Are you filled with patience? Or are you filled with envy or hatred or discord? Are you filled with Kindness, or are you filled with hatred? Are you filled with goodness or debauchery? Are you filled with faithfulness, or are you filled with sexual immorality? Are you filled with gentleness and self-control? See, as a culture, we hate the idea of self-control because if you practice self-control, you won't go out and buy their ice cream. You won't buy their chocolate. You won't buy their donuts. By the way, there's donuts for morning tea, so see how many people practice self-control today. Like um, all of a sudden, Bert, we take him all home. So, um, but the thing is, it's not just simple things. It's the latest iPhone. The world wants us to desire stuff and and be impulsive and and just be out of control. In fact, okay, I'm gonna. This is. We're going to go back and talk about sex again because this is one thing I've seen working with youth and working in, in schools is basically what happens these days, instead of saying kids saying marriage is the best place for this, we say the kids can't control themselves and therefore we've got to tell them how to do it safely. Now basically, I believe that is treating children and young people as idiots because we're basically saying they have no control over themselves at all. Now if I was a youth and I heard that, hopefully I'd be smart enough to go that that's insulting, that I cannot make good choices. But as a Christian youth, they're even saying the same thing, but if we are living with the Holy Spirit in us, the fruit of the Spirit will be self-control. So I don't want you to say, hey, do it safely. I want you to say, hey, do it right. Do it in the right way. And so this is something that is really important that we don't just settle for the ideas of the world. Because God tells us that from the Spirit's leading, we will be filled with self-control and all those other things. And this is what he picks up in the last part of Galatians 5.22. And against such things, there is no law. 
There is no one sort of watching over saying, oh, you've done, you've got too much joy in your life. Ease it up a bit. Oh, no, you've been too peaceful in the midst of this struggle. You're not patient. You're being too patient. You should be, you should be getting frustrated and, and sort of angry at this person a little bit. No, there's no law to say that you can't be those things. Because this is how we should live because we are on a journey of discovery and becoming. Now watch how Paul finishes the chapter in Galatians 5, in 5.24 and to 26. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified are the flesh and its passions and desires. Have crucified, been, have been put to death. The old man with his passions and desires put to death and put him aside. And we live as a new person. Um, verse 25. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this is our last point of the day. We, we must live by the Spirit. Now look how all this comes together. We must walk by the Spirit, which means doing the work of becoming. We must be led by the Spirit. And once we recognize His voice so we can go on a journey of discovery, what, discovering what brings God joy. When we live by the, when we, when we are, um, led by the Spirit and we follow what He says, all of a sudden we begin to live in a way that actually pleases God. It actually makes God smile. And once we've gotten there, we can actually live by the Spirit. And we live by the Spirit because we understand the Spirit. We live by the Spirit because we know God's voice. We live by the Spirit when we are so surrendered to His voice that we can do nothing against His will, even if we desire to go a different direction. We live by the Spirit because we are finally experiencing the joy of being a child of God. The joy of actually being a Christian. Now, Christians can so often be frustrated, and do you know why? They are trying to be something they are not. They are still filled with acts of flesh, as we the things we read before, and they're filled with that, but they're trying to act like they have love and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. They're, they're living this way, but they go, oh, but I've got to do those things. I've got to exhibit those things. So all of a sudden, they're living that way without the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they end up being miserable. We end up being miserable in our Christian lives if we are only halfway surrendered. Or maybe we're one-seventh surrendered. God, Sunday's all yours. Any other day with why is mine. We, we get to the point that we're not totally surrendered because you can't live by the fruit of the Spirit on Sunday and chase the flesh for the next six days. It will mess you up. That's not called holiness. That is actually called lying. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to God. You're lying to others. And we have to understand that you will find joy in being a Christian when a Christian is what you actually are. There is freedom from the sinful nature and that gives us freedom to the fruits of the Spirit. And here's the problem. We still want the easy way to get there. You, you want me to give you a prayer today or a pro, three-step process you can do over the next 24 hours and you can be new. And maybe in the process, God, let's, can you drop 10 kgs off as well? That's what we want. We got God, I want to go home today, follow these three steps, and want to wake up new, want to wake up different. That's not how it works. 
Now, I could get you to raise your hand today or get you to come up front here and, and, and commit your life more to God. But this is, this is the thing. God doesn't want you crying up the front here. He wants you to live differently there. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. The bad news is it is not instant. There are so many instant things in the world. Chuck them in the microwave and, hey, presto, um, here it is. But it's never as good as things that are cooked properly. Like you can get microwavable chips. Yeah, it's not as good as fish and chips from the, from the, well, some fish and chip shop play on that grass shot either, but, but if you get some good fish and chips, it will never compare. Try microwaving a roast in the microwave. I can't imagine that being really good. But when you roast a roast in your oven and you sit there for an hour and a half and you smell it, you go, this is going to be good. It's the same way and we need to, because our culture, doesn't understand that good things take time. It is a work of becoming. It is the journey of discovering that brings the joy of being. You hear that? It's the work of becoming. We've got to join God with that work as he's tearing down the things that he doesn't want in our lives. And sometimes we've, sometimes it's about giving up in that time because like it's, the work we're doing is God, I want to keep that and I want to keep that. And just no, don't touch that section at all. We've got to go, oh God, I'm going to help you rip that out as well. I'm going to help get rid of that part of my life. And then it's a journey. It's not a step. It's not, it's a journey of discovering as we learn to hear God's voice and go all of a sudden, hey God, that's what you want me to do. God, that's what you, you don't want me to get caught up in that conversation. You don't want me to think about that thing. You don't want me to desire after those things that may not be of your heart. And through that journey, we hear God's voice, but it brings us to the point where we are enjoying and have the joy of being what God wants us to be. It takes work and journey to get to the joy. So a few questions before we wrap up today. Are you walking by the Spirit? And are you ready and willing to do the work that's required of you to do? Are you focusing in on him so that you can know his voice and be led by the Spirit? So you can go on the journey to discover what brings joy to his heart. Now, again, don't react to this. Don't, don't nod your head. Don't sort of look down in shame. When's the last time you opened up your Bible? Or turned on your screen? And if, if you say today in church, and, and, and if I go, what is the time before that? And it's, Last Sunday at church, there is no way you can be seeking the mind and heart of God when you are not getting in, giving, sort of getting into the word that he's given us. No way is possible. If we think like that, what we're thinking is that if I'm near my Bible, if it's on my desk, if it's on my bedstand, if I carry it to church, if it's on my phone, somehow magically it will rub off on me because I'm in the presence of the Bible. If that same thing is true, what happens when you go to McDonald's? All of a sudden you become a hamburger. Or maybe a few chips short of a Happy Meal. That's the same thinking there. So if you're not getting into your Bible, if you are not spending time praying, and, and praying is not saying, God, okay, let me just unfold my list here and um, 
Hold, it's going to be a while here. I can flick it up in an email if it's quicker. No, no, it's not about just praying that way. It's like, God, let me be still before you and hear your voice today. What I've read today, all of a sudden, God, what does that mean for my life? God, where do you want me to change? Sometimes we don't want to pray that prayer because we already know the answer and we don't want God to confirm it. We want to live in a little bit of doubt for a little while longer. No, we've got to, we've got to focus in. We've got to, we've got to get closer to that. Now, if you are moving through those two things, if you are journeying through that, if you're doing the work of becoming, you're living by the Spirit, you'll get to the point that you will have the joy of being who God made you to be. When that happens, this statement becomes true, that you'll be so spiritually phenomenal that you will never be forgotten. Is that what you want in your life, to be spiritually phenomenal? Not to be recognized for yourself, but for for people to see God oozing out of your life. You can't contain it. It's like when you put a shirt on that's too tight. You can't contain what's under there. That's what we want. We want God, when God clothes us, we want him to be oozing out of our life, that people look at us and go, wow, I can see God in you. Because that's what the Holy Spirit, remember, is. is God in us. God the Father, Jesus beside us, and the Spirit is God in us. Let him flow out of your life. Do the work of becoming. Hear his voice and, and, and take the journey of discovering what brings God joy so that you can know the joy of being who God made you to be. Let's just pray. Lord, today, I suppose everything you have, you've made available to us. Like, like the vineyard you spoke with Israel, everything was there and it still didn't work. And so today, Lord, you've got everything there ready for you. You've got the Holy Spirit given to us. But so often, Lord, we, we follow the desires of other things. We follow the desires of the flesh, the desires of the world in our lives. And you are wanting to make a change. But that first step, it falls in our court that we need to surrender to you. We need to join you with, in the work of becoming. And, and that means at times tearing things down. It may be attitudes that we've held dearly for, for decades in our life that you want are gone. Habits that we've included that go, that's not that bad, God. It may be the way that we look at other people, either with anger, dissension, frustration, It may even be just living for ourselves because that's what the world says. I'm the most important person in it. But God, the work of becoming lets you be in charge of of the wrecking ball. For you to tear down what you don't want in there and for us to join you in that work. I pray that we would be, be putting in the practice that path of, of, of seeking you out, focusing in on you, taking time in God's word, taking time to pray to you and also to hear from you. 
so we are able to recognize your voice. And Lord, when we hear your voice, help us to be ready to be obedient. Because I know in my life there have been times that you have spoken clearly and I have said no. And so Lord, make us, bring us to the point where our obedience is, is matching our, our openness to your voice. As we take that journey of discovering what brings you joy. God, I, I love that picture that I can live in such a way that I can put a smile on your face. Help, help us to do that, God. And Lord, as we <coughs> go through those steps of becoming and journeying, bring us to that point where we will know the joy of being who you desire us to be. God, I want to live each day in that place where I can get up and just go, do you know what? No matter the struggle I face, no matter the journey that's still ahead of me, no matter the changes that come across my day, changes of plans or or whatever else, God, I know the joy of being a child of God in, 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 in all its fullness. So, Lord, speak to each one of us today exactly where we need it, God, and push us. Maybe gently for some of us. Maybe it needs to be a bigger push for others. But God, push us in that direction that we need to walk so that we can get to that end of the joy of being who you want us to be. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is at work in us. And I pray for this church that we'd be willing to let you work more, to be surrendered to you more, so that you can do even greater things through us and in us. I pray that you begin this week. I pray you begin today as we leave this place. And I pray this in your mighty name. Amen.